It's called the MacGuffin Report. Movies, TV, American culture. You in? From LA, the MacGuffin Report. Produced by Inclusive Media. Okay, let's talk 1917. Not the year 1917, but the movie 1917. Yeah, which, I wasn't there. Which was <laughs> before your time. Yeah. <clears throat> which had been favored to win the Oscar Best Picture, but did not. It's written and directed by Sam Mendes, who is known for doing American Beauty. And Jarhead. And Jarhead, good. And uh, starring probably a bunch of people you haven't seen before, including Dean Charles Chapman, George McKay, Daniel Mays, and a cameo by my main guy, Bennett Cumberbatch. And Colin Firth. Oh, yeah, Colin Firth. That's right. He gets a part in it, too. So so a couple high-place cameos. But basically, it's just guys coming out of the BBC and British stage. What did you think, Walter? For me, I think I felt the opposite of you. Um so you, you graded it a 7 on a scale of 1 to 10. I probably gave it like a 3 or a 4. Wow. Um, like you, though, I was looking for the one take thing. Ugh, and I am a, a product of my own environment, the current environment right now, where I, the, the, most of the movie, I was like, cut, cut, cut. Right, exactly. Like, cut. Exactly. Like, what's the other side? I, I don't, like, no, cut, cut, cut. And then, like, I, I was taken out of the movie when they were, like, in the water because I was like, Wait a minute. Where is this? How is the camera guy the, or whoever's holding the camera not creating any ripples in the water when they're in the water? Like, what? I, what is? And like, I was just completely taken <laughs> out of the movie because of this one take. I was thing. taken out. I know what exactly which part you're talking about when you see the reflection. He's running along the edge uh-huh. of the 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 puddle and there's bodies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, there's no ripple. It's like, no. oh, he must. They must have a crane or something going across the yeah. top of the water. But then I'm like, yeah. So I was thinking crane, but I was like, what? So did he hop on the crane and then he hopped off the crane? Like I was like, <laughs> and then so I was completely taken out of the movie. Um, I don't watch BBC, so maybe like. Dean Charles Chapman and George McKay and Daniel maybe they're big BBC actors and if you, if I watch BBC uh, I would know they're, them. They're not really. They're they're up and comers. Up and, okay, so for me, not knowing who these people are or not, not not recognize them at all and having these cameos where it's like Colin Firth and Cumberbatch, I was like, dude, why did they? Uh, why didn't they like save some money from the cameos and and cast people that like we would recognize? I think they I tried to involved. get uh, Tom Holland, but the scheduling didn't work mm, out. Okay, but yeah, I don't see, think like, I don't know that Tom Holland. Would have been, he's too, you know. Yeah, ah! he's too manly. I gotta be honest, he's too manly because these two guys weren't the manliest of, of guys. And I'm, I'm, I imagine it's intentional that they that uh, Sam Mendes chose uh, these guys because they weren't the manly, the manliest, the manliest of men. Um, uh, it just, I don't know. It just the whole thing was, I don't know. And then when, I, I, spoiler alert, when that one guy dies, I was like, really, like. He was the main motivation of why they, you know, like why they went, why they left when they did. And obviously his friend did carry on the torch, but I was, and I'm not a fan of war movies because I, I don't agree with war. I know, I understand that war didn't seem to happen, but I'm just not a big fan of war. And, and this whole thing, the story, I felt like it was, it was a weak story. Um, no, of course, no one wants to listen to the guy once he get, does get there. And I was just like, oh. Back to the water. How did they shoot the water and not break? And that's what I was thinking. Well, how did the message stay dry enough so that it didn't run off? The he paper? kept it in that tin. 
Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, it's just, I mean, the whole thing and then the, I don't know, the, the whole thing for me, I just wasn't, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. I thought that uh, it could have been cut down a lot more to maybe make it an hour and 20 minutes. And I think I'd have been bored just the same, but I would have saved like an hour uh, of my time. Um, for me, I don't know. It, it just, it wasn't for, this wasn't for me in, in a, like Parasite wasn't for me in a positive way. This wasn't for <laughs> me in a negative way. <laughs> Like, you break that down for the so, yeah. so Parasite was too good for you, but you were too good for this film? Is that Pretty yeah, right? if you okay. want to say it like that, you know what? If you want to say it like that, my ego has no issues with okay. that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean overall, this is and this is a movie, if it's on cable and I was slipping through, I would not stop to be like, Oh, I gotta watch that one scene again. Like there was nothing um, well, you yeah. can't, right? There is no scene. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the, only, the only scene you really get is when he passes out. And I thought that, like, okay, if they were really going to go for the one cut angle, they should have had six hours of just him unconscious. Right? Because they cut it there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me they didn't. They cut it there. <laughs> okay. So I am, Oz, like you, I enjoyed it as a movie experience. Um, and naturally, I was like, okay, this is, you know, all meant to take place in a series of moments. So there's not going to be any character development. So I was like, okay, that's out the window. That's fine. Um, I really, I was really entertained by all the cameos. Cause I was like, Hey, it's him. And I was like, Oh look, it's Moriarty from the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock. Um, yeah, Mark strong is Mark strong. Yeah. It's also, I, you hear his voice first. And yes. I was like, oh my God. Who is that? Oh, oh. who is that? I, I knew right away it was Mark strong. I'm I was a fan of Mark. Strong. I, I was like, it's either, Mark Strong, or it was, um, there was somebody else that I had guessed, another famous British actor, and then they, they turn around, and you're like, oh, there it is. I thought that was one benefit of the, you know, one camera, one mm. shot thing, is, you know, you're like, who is it? Who is it? And it's, you know, in reality, you're not always going to know right away, because, you know, in your in your life, you don't cut. Yeah. But I was like you too, Walter, where I was watching it, and I was like, okay, reverse shot now, reverse shot now, yeah. reverse shot now, and that's when I blink. So, my eyes were quite dry by the end of the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there, there were another benefit that I thought uh, there was to the you know one take style shooting that they did. Obviously, like, you can kind of tell when they're cutting and when, or when they're you know they they make the I forget what the term was, but they make these fake non cuts. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of these natural wipes where they do cut, but you know it's you're supposed to think oh they just kept going. Um, one, another benefit I thought was that I, not that I've been on a battlefield before, but I think in reality, the bodies are bodies, like casualties are casualties. You don't have time to stop and be like, oh my God, another person just died or my friend just died. Like you have to move on. And I was, I thought that was very, that was very real and very, um, jarring to me. Like you want to turn around and focus on one focal point, but the reality is he had to keep running and I thought that was a very effective tool for that. Um, but again, the fact that I blink whenever there is usually a cut meant that I was so tired at the end of the movie <laughs> keeping my eyeballs open. Um, I was, I'm still recovering from it. I saw it like a, hand, like a few days ago, and I'm still tired. <laughs> at <laughs> but, least you were safe from the weeping angels, though, huh? Yes. No, it's so true. I, di I didn't get gotten. Not yet. <laughs> but I was, I was really fatigued from it. I don't know. I wouldn't watch the movie again just because it's like, okay, I got it. You know, there's there's a lot of the, the jump scares, too, that just, you know, wouldn't be there because you're waiting for it. But it was a, it was a pleasant, not pleasant, it was an exciting experience mm -hmm. that I don't know that I would want again. 
Worth seeing on the big screen, though, I do say. Okay. Um, I, I usually don't mind spoilers too much, okay? Like, nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to see the movie anyway, so you can tell me, you know anything you think is spoilery or whatever. Um, usually it doesn't ruin it for me. And th- I didn't really get any spoilers about 1917, except this thing about how it's supposed to look like one cut. And to me, that was like a major distraction for the film, right? I mean, it's just like, don't do that. Don't look. It's the same thing with Birdman, right? You remember this film with Michael Keaton a few years ago, won the Oscar excellent film. That, too, it's supposed to be one continuous shot, okay? But because nobody was saying that beforehand, I wasn't looking for it. And then you kind of realize it as the film goes. I think that if nobody had said this before this film, you would have noticed that, okay? So that was a definite minus. Now, as far as the actual film goes beyond that, um, I thought it was one of the better films I've ever seen to put you into the environment. You know, it's kind of like uh, Lost in Translation, a 2003 film with with, uh, Bill Murray, if you remember that one. It really puts you in that environment, right? Like, I was really there. But on the other hand, in terms of story, not much happens, Mm -hmm. right? You're kind of left with, it's almost like going on a Disney ride, right? It's like, okay, that was an experience, but now it's over, and I'm not really left with much. You know, because again, there wasn't any... You didn't really get that sting at the end. You didn't get like, here's the moral of the story. There wasn't, I mean, the whole thing takes place inside of like 12 hours. So you're not going to get character development, right? So I was just kind of left with, well, that was a great movie experience, but just not a great story. I don't think it's going to really stick with anybody the way that Parasite does not escape your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not going to stick with you. So... I'd probably give it what on a scale of one to ten. You give it about a seven, seven and a half. That's pretty good. Um, the one thing, like, because I was taken out of the movie so much, um, is when the guy—I don't know his name—but one of the leads, he cut his hand. Oh yeah, the, like, the, the lance corporal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What an idiot! You don't hold barbed wire that way, like a barbed fence that way." But I was like, "Whatever, he's an idiot." And he cut his hand. And then when he when they're going over the bodies, his uh, hand slips yeah. into that dead body. I'm like, okay, now he's gonna die. Yeah. He has to cut his hand off because of all the infections yeah. and whatnot. I'm like, this is nasty. This is gross. I, I, I don't know. I was just completely taken out <laughs> of, of everything, uh, every every aspect. And then when the other guy, the, the guy that died, um, when he, um, the, how he died, like he helped that uh, soldier, the, the German, German pilot, yeah, the German pilot. You're in war. Like you, you know, I know you, you, and that's I know that's his character and his personality. Like he's he's a nice, caring individual, but you have a mission. You forced your friend to leave hours before he wanted to, and now you're gonna take the time off to help this guy who's trained, and his intention is to kill you. They were gonna put him out of his misery too. They were like, we should just. Yeah. Put him out of his misery. Well, the other, like, no, 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 no. Go get him some that. water. Yeah. yeah, well, that was pretty funny. Put him out of his misery because that dude was in pretty decent shape. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was in decent enough shape to kick the other dude's butt. Yeah. So it's not like they were taking him out of his misery. He should have, let's kill him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what he should. And But I don't know. I, I kind of like that bit. 
because yes, it was a dumbass move by by the young kid, right? But you expect this in the movies, right? And you expect you know them to be singing Christmas carols with each other by the end of the scene, mm-hmm. right? But the fact that by the time the other dude turned his back, the German dude was strangling him yeah, to yeah. within an inch of his life. That was a shocker to me. That was surprising. It was again yes. like so much of this movie is based on speed and keeping that tension high, and the clock is running and all that stuff. And you know that was just another moment of that. Now, it might have been a dramatic device because it was a dumbass thing to do, mm-hmm. right? But I thought it was effective. I liked that part of the movie. Yeah, and I don't know how much uh, British propaganda I've been fed, but I believe that it was British sentiment to, you know, you capture the enemy, but you don't finish them. Like, they would have, you know, kept him alive, but taken him for, in, tied him up and left him there for, you know, interrogation later. Mm. That is my understanding of it, whereas I don't think the Germans were quite so I forgiving see. that way. Well, you know, and the, th- the other stupid thing is if they just waited five minutes, Mark Strong would have come with all his troops. <laughs> that's how I felt when he was crossing. <laughs> that's what, how I felt when he was crossing that bridge and being shot at. Uh-huh. I was like, their entire, they have an entire, like, regiment right there in their trucks. Yeah. How are they, how yeah. are there not more... How is there not more like fire coming along? Yeah, or why yeah, wouldn't why wouldn't they take him? Yeah, I didn't yeah. understand why they're like, oh, we got to go around six miles. Well, look, the dude just said it's going to take them eight hours to do nine miles. So yeah. why wouldn't he have gone with the caravan? That 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 one part didn't make any sense. And then to I me. love how when he crossed that little whatever embankment, as soon as he crossed over to the other side, he started getting shot at. Yeah. As if like by stormtroopers, yeah. they were about as accurate as yeah. stormtroopers. Yeah. By the one guy, but as if like yeah. Mark Strong and his regiment, they didn't see them. Yeah. But then when this one lone guy crosses the embankment, oh wait, what <laughs> wait, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I shoot at this guy. Yeah. Like, forget about the truck and like the three trucks with like all those soldiers in it. We're gonna shoot this one guy. I don't know. Yeah, that's where elapsing time and space did not do this movie any favors. Right, right, right. Because it's, you know, 12 hours smushed into two hours, and I I get that it's supposed to be compressed. Yeah. But you know, you're watching, you can't fool the eye that way without, you know, at least like a natural wipe or a cut or something. You can't just fool the eye into thinking like, two hours has passed, like that's how long it took him to get across this embankment, and that's why Mark Strong is gone, can't save you. (laughs) Yeah, because you're you're right, because I I remember thinking this too, it's like, as I was sitting down watching this movie, I was like, hey, I know this movie's like two and a half hours, um, but uh, this doesn't seem like it's two and a half hours, Like, and they're complaining that it's so far, but how far could it be? It's only two and a half hours away, like, what's the problem here? But but clearly they went a lot further. They had to walk a lot further than two and a half hours Mm -hmm. because, you know, nighttime came. Well, yeah, and they had to do it crawling and hunched over and stuff. Because that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, it's going to take you eight hours to do nine miles? Jeez, I can do that in like three or four. Yeah. I mean, really? But then it makes sense when when you see the obstacles. And then there's no nudity, no superheroes, and no yellow people. Is there any women in it at all? Oh, yeah. yeah there there's was the one, one French woman, yeah. The one that was, she played the seductress. Don't leave, stay here. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Well, she just wanted protection, right? I think she wanted something else. <laughs> well, she was telling him, like, they're still out there. Yeah. yeah. Don't leave. Right. But, yeah, the, the tone of that was a little bit mixed. I was like, what's happening? Like, dialogue-wise, it leads me to believe that she's saying he should stay there because Germans are out there, but he really needs to go. And there was that whole lost in translation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tone was also like, kind of like stay here and save me. But I was like, is it for her? Is it for him? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The whole, the whole I don't know. This movie, it's no Jojo rabbit. 
<laughs> it was like uh, the prequel to Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's inter- <laughs> it's interesting that these World War One flicks are making a comeback. It kind of makes sense because it's a hundred years later. Yeah. So yeah. we're kind of like observing. Oh, that's, yeah, that's huge in Britain, right? Yeah, now, we're kind sure. of observing this stuff, and probably because people are getting really tired of seeing Nazis in movies. So let's do a different war. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, honestly, if the stakes were, I didn't, I never felt like the stakes were high, like not in terms of the, the lives of the two guys, but like, atta- like not attacking this like German. Plot, like trick that the they're overarching, doing. Yeah, the I just, overarching I never stakes, felt like yeah. the stakes were that high because even when they got the message there wasn't an overwhelming well, sense of gratitude that was the thing that was, but that's what Cumberbatch's yeah. speech is all about at the end he's just like oh okay I'll call him off and then tomorrow they're going to tell me to do it again yeah. you know that was the point is that yeah. and I think the kid kind of realizes that after Benedict tells him you know piss off or yeah, whatever yeah. Mm-hmm. and he kind of like Oh, yeah, it is kind of pointless, isn't it? And so, <laughs> so I thought that was nice. See, there's lots of little touches in this movie that are really nice. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to make character notes, right? Yeah. Because everything's constantly moving all the time, right? So, so they do it in these little ways. And in that way, it, the script is really nice. When the script is there, it's nice. It's tight. You don't have much time with these characters, but you mm-hmm. love them. Yeah. You know? and, it's just, and that was a good moment of this film. So, so like for me, if, it, if the overall theme is like it's just pointless to do all these things, then as a viewer, personal uh, personal opinion, as a viewer, then it's pointless to me too. You feel cheated. Yeah, it's like well, yeah. Like if, yeah. if the theme is yeah. hey, all this stuff is point like uh, what we did is pointless. That's great. It's it's fine that that's your theme and you got you got it across. Then it was intentional. As a viewer, then if it's pointless for you, it's pointless for me too. And I could have spent two and a half hours watching Jojo Rabbit again. Well, again, it's again, it's the experience versus like I'm going to make a traditional classic movie. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to make a catharsis movie with catharsis in it mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so that's really the difference. Like, you know, like Saving Private Ryan, and I'm not saying that's a great war movie or anything, but like the the goal was it was big. It was a big goal, and the stakes were high. And then you, after you watched the movie, you felt like okay, I know a bunch of people died. To, to accomplish this one goal. But the blonde family was saved. Yeah, of course. No, Matt Damon. Did you ever see that meme about Matt Damon? Which? How much, um, so the Saving Private Ryan, how much it costs to save him. And then like, oh, yeah. Martian, how much it costs to save him. And like, <laughs> just to save Matt Damon, it's like trillions of dollars. <laughs> Saving Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, I don't know. For me, like, yeah, it's 1917 is not, I, I wanted more f- from it, uh, but I, it just, it didn't deliver for me. I, I would have uh, Ford versus Ferrari with uh, with the problems that I felt the movie had. I I, I had more of an enjoyable time watching it. I, I was I didn't enjoy watching 1917. And I think I agree with you, Oz. I think if I didn't know that it was one take, I think I would have been in the more involved in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, but it was, I was such so like, a distraction. Yeah, like, oh, you know, I, I'm like, my head's moving around, going like, it's okay, like, you know, what's going don't on here? Don't hype the movie like that. Hype it as, it's a great war drama. Yeah. You know, as, a, as an epic, because people love the epics. People love British actors. They should have hyped up the cameos. That would have been better. That would have yeah. been better than saying, you know, I think um, I know, hey, check out this freakish technique we're going to use, which we don't actually use. I think I know why. It's Sam Mendes. You don't need parlor I think, tricks. I think I know why they did the parlor tricks. Because they knew that their movie sucked. So they needed you think? some. I think they needed some thing to mark, like hinge on, hang their ha- marketing hat on. Going, hey, yeah, I guys, blame the marketers. Yeah, on this movie this one. is not good. So let's like really stress and well, market the. Uh, it's not the that one it, take. I don't. I don't want to say it's not good. It's just not substantial. There just wasn't much there, you know. It, it's kind of like Castaway with Tom Hanks. 
there just isn't that much there in that movie. And it's yeah. completely dependent. That movie is completely dependent on his performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And talking to the monologues to the volleyball, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and it's the same kind of thing here. There's just not much there. No. There's just not that much story there. It's get from point A to point B. There's a couple of incidents along the way. Yeah. But like if you take out the cameos, mm-hmm. like imagine if the cameo like Colin Firth, Cumberbatch, um, Mark Strong was played by just other no name people. I, I I don't for me I feel well, like there would be less notable about this film. Yeah, I'd be like mm. it'd be like well, what's the big? You know? Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually glad you brought up Ford and Ferrari because I saw a lot of comparisons there. In that when they're doing the driving bits in Ford mm-hmm. and Ferrari, again, it's a sense of you are there. Yeah, right. And it's not just because you're in the cockpit with the guy, but you know it really feels like you're traveling at that speed. Yeah, and yeah. Things are happening fast and everything, and I really like that. But Ford and Ferrari ends up getting a lot more recognition. And it's just as much of a piffle, by the way. There's no story to that film either. And, but that film got a lot more good press because of the star power. Mm, yeah. Ford and Ferrari was sold on star power. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it was this epic film and there were great effects and you know, the car scenes are awesome. Yeah. It's the best sports movie of the year or whatever. You know, but stars made a difference for that. Definitely. In Korean, please. In Korean, yeah. <laughs> Pedicide <laughs> too. <laughs> That's actually what it is in Korean, I think. Uh, all right, so uh, we're going to review Parasite now. Uh, the, it's written and directed by Bong Joon-ho. It stars Kang Ho-sung, Sun Kun or Sun Kun Lee, and Yo Jong-jo. I think I said that correctly. You did hopefully. way better than Keanu did. Did I? That's oh, good. <laughs> did you see that? I didn't see that part. Oh, no. they made him introduce oh, the nominees. Oh, and because he's part Asian? No, no, no. I think it was because he was going to do it the way he's going to do it. And you can expect that. But anybody else would have butchered it in their own way. <laughs> oh, well, so, Rachel, why don't you start with uh, Parasite? What you, what you thought of it? Okay, Parasite. I thought Parasite was very deserving of the Oscar. I enjoyed it. I actually watched it um, twice. Just because I was like, there is kind of like Jojo Rabbit. I was like, there's a lot to like unpack visually, and it's just an enjoyable movie. Um, I know you didn't feel that way, Walter, <laughs> um, but I I really like thrillers and psychological thrillers and things like that. So this genre was kind of like right there for me. I do think it's a must see. So if you're thinking about it, you're on the fence, and you're not too like squeamish when it comes to like action scenes and things like that, then go for it. I watched the first time I watched it was with a friend who is a little bit squeamish and she screamed like during one of the scenes with the rock. I think you know which one I'm talking about. You guys, there was, there was a scream and yeah, it was, I, I was laughing a little bit at her misery. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but I was entertained by that, but yes, it is, it is jarring though, as somebody that considers herself rather, you know, not, I don't, that, that, that kind of thing doesn't catch me off guard generally. Um, I thought the casting was perfect. The great, there was great acting. Um, Walter, I want to ask you something later about that. Um, cinematically stunning. I thought going into this, you can tell each shot was very thought out because it has, if you're looking at each shot, you're like, oh, the director's clearly saying something here. And it's not jumping around from thought to thought to thought. He's very much thinking within the mind of the viewer and putting you in a a space to experience what he's created. It's not, you know, shot, reverse shot for the sake of. Like, there's clearly something that he wants you to catch here. Um, it's a very, it's a beautiful and well thought out movie. There's a lot of Kubrick lines, which if you're not familiar with that term, it's if you're looking at a shot 
Um, let's take, there's, there's a lot of screen caps of this, so I'll use this as an example. But if you Google the movie, there's probably going to be a screenshot of um, one of the lead actresses who plays the sister of the poor family, and she looks like she's doing air quotes. But if you look at all the lines in the shot, everything is pointing towards her, whether it's the wood mm. paneling on the wall or the, um, the background and just how the perspective is going in. Everything is pointing towards her, and it's how the eye is directed. And Kubrick was known to do this a lot. I don't know that he was the first person to do this, but a lot of people in um, academia and in cinema call them Kubrick lines. Um, another fun fact that I really like was that the two main sets, so the home that the rich family lives in and the home that the poor family lives in, was all custom built. Mm. They built everything specifically for this movie. If you pay attention to the window, the large glass window looking out onto the backyard of the rich family's home, it is built to the aspect ratio that they shot in. Oh, wow. So is the window coming out from the sub-basement where they can the, fam- the poor family can see the street mm-hmm. where the, the drunk guy is throwing up or peeing. That is also built to the aspect ratio of the screen. Wow. Like, there, there are fun little tricks like that all over the movie. Um, another one that was pointed out to me by someone on Twitter, um, I wish I could give you credit, but I don't remember your Twitter, Twitter handle, <laughs> um, was that there is a, the, the scene in which they introduce the rich mother, she's passed out probably on like whatever drug her husband buys her mm-hmm. on the outdoor patio and the housekeeper comes in and tries to wake her up. There's a line in the glass where the glass is kind of, um, where the glass meets in the window. It's like a corner window in between the two of them. And the whole family, they, whenever they talk about them and their, uh, their paid staff, they always talk about crossing a line. Mm-hmm. That's the line that they're talking about. And when they are in the next scene that they uh, show this back area in is when this mother is firing the housekeeper. And in that scene, they're on the same side of that glass window line. So there's little visual things that Bong Joon-ho is using to tell the story that you don't always catch the first time around, but because the storytelling is good, you see it and your brain takes in the information and it helps you build and understand that story in your head, even if you don't consciously know what's going on. And I think that is incredible storytelling. Um, Another example is that whenever the poor family is doing really well, they are always shown as going upstairs. Mm. And when things go to shit... They're always going downstairs. For like, for example, when they are, um, when they're running away, like they are going downstairs, 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 and it's raining and it's pouring and the streets are being flooded, and they're just going downstairs for about like five or ten minutes. That's all you see, but it's like as if they are descending from like the heights of heaven into the depths of the hell that they were living in before. But yeah, I I really enjoyed this movie. This was the this and Jojo Rabbit were the most enjoyable movies of the list of which I've seen. Um, and I thought that Parasite was the one that was really getting me to think and really getting me to really try to process everything. And I, for that reason, I thought it was very deserving of Best Picture. Oz? Everything that Rachel just said is why this is a great film, why Parasite is a great film. I mean, this is classic filmmaking, right? This is visual storytelling, right? We're not cheating. 
We're not going, oh, you all know Superman's origin story, so I can just, you know, do this instead. Mm-hmm. They're ma- they're, he's getting everything out of each scene, each mm-hmm. shot, right? It's a visual language. This is your difference. If you want to say there's a difference between film and movies, this is it. Mm-hmm. All right? He's giving you extra information in the visuals that you wouldn't normally get if you're just hearing a story, right? And that's the way film is supposed to work at its best. Right. And I think this is probably also why it won Best Picture, because look, this is the weirdest film ever to win Best Picture, period, (laughs) period. I'm going back. I'm looking at the list of nominations. I think it's the weirdest film ever to be nominated for Best Picture since being John Malkovich. And that was in the late 90s. So, So this is a strange film in just. The genre bending, the twists, um, the perspective of the of the characters in terms of dialogue and story. The one line that really got to me, I was talking on an earlier podcast about zeitgeist movies. And in a lot of ways, this is a zeitgeist movie because it's all about, you know, 1% versus 99%. It's all about class war. You know, we don't do these kind of movies in America, but that's what this film is about, right? It's about upper class, lower class. And in that respect, it's something that everybody can identify with. But there's one line in the movie that throws me, and that's this. When the woman, the, the, the poor woman, says, they can afford to be nice. They're rich, right? And I think in America these days, we think the exact opposite. It's like when you become rich... Then you become like this avaricious, you know, environment polluting, people exploiting person, Mm -hmm. right? But in this movie, they're presenting you with the opposite. And I thought it was a really great line. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I might have come to this thing and said, is that really the way it is in Korea? But after thinking about it, which this movie makes you do, it's not. It's not. It's just her excuse for being an asshole. Because that's the truth. The family in this movie are bad people. Mm-hmm. The rich people are bad people too. Yeah, everybody's Everybody, a parasite. Yeah, everybody's a bad person in this movie. And I just thought that was interesting. You know, that's brave. That's brave to do a movie like that. I don't care what country you're in. Yeah, it's brave to have a movie full of unsympathetic characters. Look what happened in Joker. Right, <laughs> they got a bunch of unsympathetic characters in that film, but I don't think anybody really related to any of them. You know, but in this movie, we have a cause with these people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not coming from the rich tradition. So again, but here's a film that really makes you think. You know, here's a film that has resonance. Here's a film that has deeper meaning. Here's a film that has visual vocabulary. Okay, this is a this is a film. I love that term, visual vocabulary. Yeah, that's a great term. I mean, this is this is film. You know, this is there's alliteration I mean, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, I'm glad that it's winning in 2020 too, because now young kids as you know, the whole medium of film seems to be dying in this country. A new generation of kids can see, Hey, you know, this is classic filmmaking. Mm -hmm. This is good. And it's a good movie. I'm with it. You know, genre bending, you know? And, uh, we talked before too, about how it's clear that this director does his homework. Yeah. Like all Mm -hmm. good directors do. Right. I mean, the, what did the violence remind you of? Reminded me of Tarantino. Right, yeah. it's the exact same pacing. Right, you have all this crazy stuff. You have funny monologues. You have funny dialogue. You have 
characters doing weird motivational stuff. And then all of a sudden there's this extreme violence. Mm -hmm. And then we're back to the funny stuff and, you know, the symbolism and all that stuff. And then there's extreme violence. The pacing was very Tarantino too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, and so again, this is a great film. Here is history behind it. Even though it's doing something completely different, there is, you know, classic techniques behind it as well as innovative stuff. So it's just great film. Yeah, and Walter, you were mentioning earlier about how in Korea there's um, they don't believe in having like wasted shots and things like that. Well, they or... don't believe in that. Uh, it's just this one actress was stuck saying it. I think there's a lot of wasted shots in Korea, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of wasted scenes, mm-hmm. just because I think for a lot of them, their storytelling hasn't, they haven't gotten to the, for us, like, because we, we have so many TV shows, have so many movies. Um, we're almost, we're forced to have good stories, even though a lot of times we don't. But we're forced to do it. In Korea, I think, um, now it's a little bit different, but let's say like in the last 10, 20 years, they, they didn't have that, that the, uh, like, oh, well, this is okay if we add this scene in. Even though it's not part of the story, I just want to put this in here because it's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, even now, a lot of TV shows have that, mm-hmm. where it's like, what, where, where is this coming from? Uh, movies have it. And so when that one actress mentioned why she chose this one project was that because there was no wasted scenes, mm-hmm. it really... Um, struck a chord with me because I was like, yeah, that's exactly what a lot of the problem is with Korean storytelling yeah. in, in TVs and movies. But with Parasite, yeah, I didn't feel that there was anything wasted. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I saw um, a video breaking it down, basically, is that he, Bong Joon-ho does this thing called storyboard shooting. Mm-hmm. I think that's the term. Um, but basically, he storyboards the entire everything shot for shot for shot, mm-hmm. like even like the transitions and everything. And he only shoots that. Um, yeah. Here, I like I don't know how it is in other countries, but here in the U.S. we have um, it's pretty typical for you to shoot in a certain order, and you're not going to use all of it. So here we will start with a wide shot usually, which is a shot that's zoomed out, like in colloquial terms, like where you see, you know, you might see the all the actors head to toe just to get the this. It's called the establishing shot. So it no, it shows you where you are and where the actors are and where the characters are and what the scene's about. And then you go in for close ups A and close ups B and inserts and things like that. But that was not how Parasite was shot. Everything was shot so intentionally that. You know, they basically kept everything that they mm-hmm. ended up shooting, which is, you know, we don't do that here, really. I mean, it's pretty incredible. The thing is, it, it takes time. It takes a yeah. lot of time. Um, I mean, like a lot of the, like here, a lot of the big budget films have storyboards because they can afford it. Because mm-hmm. storyboard artists make a lot of money. Um, smaller films, they just, you know, they may draw it themselves <laughs> and figure it out. Um, I mean, for me, Parasite was, it, it was a fun movie. Like I, I enjoyed watching it, but it just, like I said, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't made for me. Uh and like I don't have a problem with violence or anything. Uh, it's just for me in this movie, like like you were saying, Oz, there's no one really to pull for in the movie, and <laughs> I have a problem with those kind of movies. Like, mm. those, those kind of movies weren't made for me. Like I want to pull for someone. Like I want to be someone in the movie. Mm-hmm. And here I didn't want to be anybody in this movie. Mm-hmm. No, you know, good. Uh, you're healthy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you you recognize. Yeah, that. and so because of that, I, I didn't. You know, in terms of like uh, relation, like do I relate to anyone? I, I mean. The, the the characters were so extreme. You had like wealthy, and then you had people that had nothing. Um, and so, there, I know, relating wise, it, you know, I, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I don't I don't think you know, like I, I'm living in a sub basement of a place where if it rains, it'll flood, and then the toilet will come up with all the delicious brownness that comes out of it. <laughs> um, 
And then, you well, know, it's like- funny because it's funny because there is a middle class, right? If you want to see this as a thing about social classes, class warfare, there is a middle class. The servants, right? The chauffeur and the housemaid are supposed to be the middle class, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not living in a in a cellar you know, with sewage flooding it, but they're not living in the mansion either, mm-hmm. right? They have the proper job that, and that's all that our poor family wants too, is just proper jobs, you know, well, 40 hours a week, whatever. See, I think see, though- They're the middle class. Yeah, I, I can see that, but I think like, I think one of the things um, the director uh, is saying is that in Korea right now, there is no middle class. Yeah, like, yeah, of course. It's disappearing. Of course, yeah. It, so it's, you're this that. far, you're this far from being, you know, living in the yeah. sewage. And we don't even underneath. see the- actual where the sh- actual chauffeur and housekeeper lives we don't ever right. see that. the housekeeper lives with the family oh no no uh, what i mean is like outside of, oh, oh, outside. oh gotcha. you don't see how they live yeah. you know and so i uh, for me that's kind of like how the director's saying hey guys in korea the middle class is just, it's just right. disappearing as, mm-hmm. as, right. as, as we know it is disappearing um but yeah I, for everything you guys said like i agree like all, all the, the the visual vocabulary that oz had mentioned and rachel all the little uh fun facts it's a it's a good great movie. It's just because it wasn't made for me. I'm like, eh, you know. But I but this is a movie though. If it was on cable, I, I would sit and probably watch it again. Uh, especially because all the fun facts that uh, Rachel you were saying, I just like see if I could pick up on on these things. Um, I know all the actors in, in this. Like I've seen their work before, and I, I I like all I like all the actors. Um, the one I thought I didn't see was the poor daughter, but I actually did see her in, in the TV show. Um. She all was the, my favorite. I liked her. Yeah, the best. All the performances great. are great in this. Um, th- th- these guys are. Uh, it's it's cool that the timing of it that he got actors. Uh, the director got actors that everyone can recognize. That if you if you watch Korean dramas, you'll know these actors. It's not like I'm watching a Korean movie where I'm like, who are these guys? Like, where did they <laughs> come from? It's not like you know. It's the. It's not like I'm watching 1917 where I'm like, who who are these guys? <laughs> all these guys, um, they are pretty. I don't want to say big actors, but they're they're well known. Like I don't think anyone in Korea is like, oh, who's this? Like who 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 they cast with a daughter? I don't think anyone's doing that. So it was nice that um, the director uh, Pong Joon, who had enough stature where he can get um, procure all these actors and actresses. Um, so it was, I know the whole thing was nice, um, and it's good that I'm glad that this movie won as opposed to like a movie where they didn't have all the visual cues and the visual vocabulary and all the little fun, like all the things where, to, cause that, that Rachel, when you talk about like everything's pointing to that daughter, she's doing air quotes. Um, I don't know if it's a movie thing or a photography thing, but that is something in photography where when you have a subject and all the lines are, are, are pointing to the subject that you want them to look at. Uh, that's a, it's a, also a photography thing. And I'm glad that a guy or, or, or girl, but I'm glad that this director, um, he took the time to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that he is now being uh, rewarded for that. Yeah. It's not just like luck or dumb luck that, hey, I got this great script that I wrote and, um, hey, uh, okay, you want to be in it? You want to be in it? Uh, yeah, let's just shoot it like this. I'm glad it wasn't dumb luck. I'm glad that it was everything was intentional. Mm-hmm. And to me, it, it showed when he gave his acceptance speech. When how he was saying, I wish I had a Texas chainsaw to cut this award in, in five to give it to you know each that of the directors. That was so cute. It was awesome because I'm sure there was white people going, "What? He saw <laughs> Texas chainsaw? Wait, what? Like, how does he even know that?" Yeah. Um, and I love how he gave props to Scorsese. Yeah. And they took the time to give him a standing O. Um, you know, he gave props to Quentin and the fact that I think because even me being Korean and living in America, because I live in America, I I tend to think like, oh, they don't like people in Korea or like other countries, they don't watch 
all the American stuff. But clearly, this director not only watched it, but he clearly studied it. He did his homework. He gave so much respect to all these directors. It wasn't like, hey, I'm from another country. I'm coming into your country, and I'm winning your award. How's that? What up? Take that. It wasn't like that at all. He was He's so, very deferent. Yes, very deferential. He, he, he revered Scorsese. It, it was just you know an amazing thing. So I feel like the right person won the award, um, directing the, the right movie, and just having done his homework and just really using and putting everything he had into it. And so I'm glad this one, as opposed to like someone who just kind of like through dumb luck was like, oh, hey, did you mean to do this? Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That know. was totally intentional. Yeah, like, uh, no, I just put her there because, uh, I don't know, it just seemed cool. Like, you know, I think if you if you uh, interview, if you get to interview uh, Bong Joon-ho, uh, he would tell you, oh, yeah, no, this was all intentional. And he'd be, he'd be able to tell you things that we didn't even pick up. You know, like, uh, like why why was the toilet overflowing in this way? Why was it up there? Like, what's going Oh, because, you know, I'm sure he's got his reasons. And I think that's why it's fantastic, you know, uh, that this all happened. But that's my take on Parasite that yeah, it wasn't made for me. I want to ask you something because you've mentioned this in previous podcasts. Now, you said that these, um, all of these actors are from mostly from Korean TV, except mm-hmm. for the poor dad who has done some Korean cinema. Yeah. Um, could you tell watching them, like, oh, this... Because you've mentioned there are certain actors that are TV actors and some that are um, cinema actors, mm-hmm. and they will pop out too much if they're in the wrong format. Yes, yeah. Did you feel that watching this? Um, not... So uh, I, I mentioned this, I don't know if it was this podcast or another podcast, or episode, I mean. Um, in, in Korea, TV is king. So they get the best actors and actresses. Uh, it's not like here where uh, the, it's changing a little bit now, but um, here the best actors and actresses, you know, the mo- biggest following is they go to movies. Mm-hmm. That's it. They would never dream of doing TV. They wouldn't even dare to do TV. Except for the last like 10 years, I think uh, feature actors are doing television. Yeah, Pacino's doing his first TV show. Yeah, they're, you know, um, but in, in Korea, TV is where it's at. Th- that's where all the, the, the best and the brightest go. So for me, like watching Parasite, uh, they, to me, they didn't pop off the screen or anything because I, I know their work. I know how they are. Like the one who played the poor, uh, not the poor, the, uh, the original uh, housekeeper, the original nanny, she is great. I've seen her in comedies where she's so over the top and I've seen her in dramatic roles, like, like much like in Parasite where she's, um, and also when, when the camellia blooms, she's in that uh, where she's just amazing. She's can do it all. Her range is amazing. Uh, the the rich dad he's in w- one of the most i think grounded korean dramas i've ever seen where uh, the the one of the titles they have like two different Amer- american titles for it, but one of the titles is i think my wife is cheating on me <laughs> he is great in that it, it, every his emotions are so real and so raw that's that the name joke. of the show well so here's a here's a fun little tidbit <laughs> when the korean tv show has a korean title that isn't like uh, an american form of the word Someone, I think they have different distributors, different marketers. They'll translate it their own way. So wow. there's a variety show in Korea called Anin Hyungnimdur, which literally translated is to older, bro- older brothers that know things. Okay. But that's not the title. There's three different titles for it. There's Knowing Brothers, there's Men on a Mission, um, and there's Ask Us Anything. <laughs> okay. I don't know why this happens. So <laughs> one of the titles for the, the Rich Dad's uh, TV show is I think, I'm, I think My Wife is Cheating on Me. But I think on Netflix it's called like 
let love in or love something. I forgot exactly how they, I don't know. I don't know what, it, wow. what what's going on with all that. I mean, if you look at American movies and see how they get translated into other language, you mm-hmm. will see the exact same thing. And it's freaking hilarious. Give it a Google. Yeah. You'll be glad you did. It's just, it's just weird. But like all, all, the, all, those, all the actors and actresses, obviously they were selected. I'm sure there was maybe he wanted someone else for something, the timing things. But all of them were great. The performances they had were just you believed it. You, you were, you were, it would never, the performances never took you out. Because there's mm-hmm. some Korean dramas I watch where the performances take me out of the drama because I'm like, these guys, these guys, this guy or girl is not a good actor or actress. <laughs> but some of them you watch, like when, the, when Camille Blooms, uh, the actors and actresses are great in there. It never, they never, it never takes you out. Um, and so, especially, yeah, and, and then Parasite, the performances are, I mean, they're great. Like they all want something. Yeah. Every scene they want something. Sometimes it's the same thing. Sometimes, and a lot of times it's different things. They all want different things. And I think it all culminates in that one scene. And I hope I'm not giving anything away. It's when they find out that there's that hidden basement in the rich house and they're all gathered in the stairs. Yeah. Because they <laughs> all want to hear. And the reason they messed up is because they're all greedy for that spot on the stairs to mm-hmm. listen closer. Mm-hmm. And that's why they all fell. Yeah. And then you get that weird cartoon moment. Yeah. The, yeah. the Scooby Doo moment. Yeah. Totally. Like, and then they're a co- I, they're I was like, waiting oh. for the, the sound of bowling pins to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but, that, but that scene only happens because they're all so greedy. Yeah. They really didn't need to. They didn't. No. Because that getting one inch closer. Is not going to help you hear that yeah. much better. But they're like, no, I got to hear this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to hear this from you later. I want to know myself. Yeah. And then they, they fall. Uh, and I think that's metaphorically just a, and literally. Yeah, both. And I think like you know stuff like that. This is definitely one of those movies that I think people can watch over and over and, and pick up different things. If you're looking for it, you pick up different things here and there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, but again, not not for me. No nudity, no superheroes, and no one fell in love. <laughs> That's fair. (laughs) This has been the MacGuffin Report with Rachel Wong, Oz Davis, Walter Hong, produced by Inclusive Media.